And there's nothing more important uh, for the uh, American people to do to slow the spread than to heed your state and local guidance in areas impacted by the coronavirus and for everyone else to put into practice the 15 days to slow the spread. Dr. Fauci will reflect on the importance of mitigation and the impact that we believe that it is having around the country. People ask me from time to time, what can I do? And I say from my heart to every American, this is what you can do. Not just to protect your own health and that of your family, uh, but no American wants to inadvertently spread the coronavirus, particularly to those that may be vulnerable to serious health consequences. Remember that the, the risk of serious illness to the average American remains low. The vast majority of people that contract the coronavirus will have mild symptoms to flu-like symptoms and will recover. But for seniors with serious underlying health conditions or with people with immunodeficiencies, everyone needs to practice the principles of 15 days to slow the spread. Yes, two episodes, one day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. That was three years ago. Vice President Mike Pence encouraging Americans to follow the guidance of the all-knowing for your health and your safety government to participate in that 15 days to slow the spread, which turned into three years. It was interesting listening to that. They were right. It really was flu-like for most people, and it was deadly to the elderly and to the people with a lot of comorbidities. It's funny how that message got very distorted and changed over time, but I digress. That was three years ago, and I just read a great article by Gabrielle Bauer from the Brownstone Institute, which I will include in the show notes, and she was given 13 sayings and anecdotes that came out of the last three years that we should light on fire and just bury in a shallow grave. And we're going to talk about a few of them because it's important to learn the lessons so we don't make the same mistakes again, and also to shed light on what happens when we declare these states of emergency and then extend them for as long as possible. Bauer started off her article with the following, quote, the COVID regimen was replete with rot from taped up basketball nets and masked toddlers to vaccine passports and slogans. Some of those slogans were carefully crafted by governments, while others sprang from the weeds of social media. They all drew from the same playbook, capitalizing on fear and using emotional manipulation to activate people's guilt circuits. They served as thought-stopping mantras that precluded honest communication about the pandemic, end quote. Well said. And we should look at these slogans to avoid in the future. As Mike Pence just said, two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to slow the spread, which turned into a three-year-long state of emergency. There are a lot of lessons from this one, but one, once power is given, it is hard to get it back. These states of emergency have become way too common, and there's a reason, not because we have so many more emergencies than we used to, but because those few in power realize that they can do even more, have even more power, have even more influence, while simultaneously finding a clever workaround to those pesky rights and constitutional limitations on government that we all think we have. 
in a state of emergency, constitutional rules are suspended. It's like airport rules, right? You have an 8 a.m. flight, you're having a friggin' Bloody Mary because, hey, you're in the airport. Just got to just got to survive anything you can do to get through the next couple hours of a horrible travel experience. Anything's on the table. And regardless of the emergency, you can never go back in time with hindsight and find a time where it was warranted, right? And the emergency was legit and the lives of the people that they were trying to protect got better as a result. We never benefit from these states of emergency that are for our own protection. We always lose. Emergency powers are then delegated to governors, unelected public health officials, administrators, state bureaucrats, committees, CEOs, and human resource directors in private companies. And then you get into, hey, what constitutes a public health emergency that's worthy of stripping all the citizens of their rights? Government will deliberately never define that. They'll never give us clear goalposts. And even if they did, the metrics are always debatable. And that's just another reason to democratically discuss them in good faith. The only COVID statistic used to justify the three-year-long state of emergency was the total number of deaths reported for the entire pandemic. The cumulative number that always is increasing, even though the death rate had declined significantly, every month just continue to justify the emergency because, hey, we had another death. So just the, the, the counter kept going. One of the big historical takeaways from these manufactured emergencies for me is the federal government never felt a need to justify the declared state of emergency, right? The lack of transparency, the lack of actual goalposts, the lack of anything that was tangible. The next saying, stay home, save lives. Bauer wrote the sanctimonious and bossy slogan sent the message that mental health didn't count. Livelihoods didn't count. Arts and culture didn't count. Religious communion didn't count. Then the dreams that people had spent years pursuing didn't count. The only thing that counted was preserving metabolic life, or at least pretending that that's what we're doing, end quote. And I would just add scoreboard. People put the collective good ahead of themselves. Not that we need another example of why this kind of ideology doesn't work, but there you go. My mother was not pleased that I did not put my life on hold like she and many others did to lock down, to put my life on pause, to do what was in everyone's best interest. She was even more displeased when it turned out I was right in doing so. Now, whether you think I was smart or lucky, it doesn't matter. Hopefully you realize by now your mental health, your livelihood, your religion, your dreams, your pursuit of your own happiness matters more than your neighbor feeling safe. Follow the science. Jesus, the only constant in science is change. Questioning science is science. Open and fervorous debate is essential component of science. I've said this a million times. Einstein said, science can only flourish in an environment of free speech. So quick question, why didn't we listen to Einstein? I mean, he only laid out the foundations for fucking laser beams. He came up with a theory of relativity, which revolutionized our understanding of space, of time, gravity, and our universe. What does he know? Why did we listen to the unelected lifetime bureaucrat with a profit motive? Why did we take his word on what he thinks science is? Bauer says, science is information. It tells you what is not what to do about it. 
Wait, what? You know, I thought so, but I must be honest. I was starting to think I was crazy. I was under the delusion that my values dictated what I do and your values dictate what you do. Since no two human beings are the same, I just assumed that there would be people in this world who would act differently because they have different values than me. And that's okay. There are no mathematical coefficients for taking the differences into consideration. When they tried to tell me to give up my individual freedoms, my dreams, my livelihood, my happiness in order for those around me to lower their unquantifiable fucking infection risk, and the best reason they could give me was to follow the science? Yes, science is usually the answer, but it should give us debates, not dogma, or catchphrases, or censorship, or fucking mandates. We're all in this together. Among the most misleading statements to come out of the pandemic, there was a lot less togetherness and a lot more tribal vitriol. If we were all in this together, then everyone's individual choices would have been respected and acknowledged. When I was with 19 other people on a 70-foot sailboat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, sailing through 100-knot winds and battling 80-foot seas, yes, technically, we were all in that situation together. However, everyone on that boat had a different experience. We are all in this together simply refers to a place in time and in no way reflects a shared experience, shared values, or anything else that's shared. Ugh, freedom. During COVID, safety became the all-consuming preoccupation and freedom got canceled for, I don't know, being anti-Semitic, I don't know, but freedom was canceled. I would get eye rolls if I dared use the F word. I felt that redneck right-wing judgment just melting the side of my face when I would advocate for my freedom and everyone else's. Over the last three years, how you feel has replaced the bedrock of our republic. Not observing freedom gave us forced experimental drug usage. People no longer have bodily autonomy, apparently, and, or medical freedom. Just think about how crazy that is. For a three-year period of time, the majority of people in our country, the United States of America, the land of the free, gimme liberty or gimme death, birthplace of the goddamn republic, civil rights, we had no problem with going along with ideas, policies, actions, completely contradicting the very spirit of the country, let alone the rights of their fellow citizens. <sighs> I can't, I can't even... I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Every time I say this shit out loud, I get so mad at myself. I start beating myself up. I wish I could have packaged information better. I wish I was smarter. I wish I could have done more. I have, I have fucking like survivor's guilt because I tried to help people, but the people that needed the help the most didn't want to fucking hear anything. And here I am. I'm mad at myself because there were times where I self-censored, you know, to hopefully preserve what little personal relationship may be salvaged when the dust settles. Like they did such a good job demonizing anyone with a flag or overt patriotism. Like when people see the American flag on clothing or a bumper sticker or on your profile picture, they associate that person with a right-wing white supremacist. College women think men who wear a shirt with an American flag on it are racist. 
Think about the PR hit freedom took. Holy shit. And the marketing firm replaced it with diversity, equity, and inclusion. The conceptual framework that seeks to promote the fair treatment and full participation of all people, just not the people who understand the simple fact that without freedom, we have nothing resembling a life. Mask it or casket. Oh, this one actually made sense. Medical experts agree that 100% of the fatalities over the last three years could have been avoided if the deceased did a better job accessorizing their outfits. The poster child for arriving at a conclusion on emotion and not reason. Evidence or a shred of critical thought. When I was trying to have a scientific debate over masks with my doctor, her number one reason why I should wear a mask was wait for it because mask wearing eradicated the flu during COVID. Yeah, everyone wearing a mask helped prevent the spread of the flu and pretty much just eradicated it. You know, like ivermectin eradicated COVID in Uttar Pradesh in India. And my response to that, follow the science type of rhetoric, was if masks prevented the spread of the flu, why didn't they stop the spread of COVID? Crickets. Well, the virus doesn't discriminate. That's true. Biden's COVID response czar said everyone will get COVID. Probably the only true thing to come out of Washington in my recent memory. So if everyone is going to get it, and by the way, everyone did get it, anything done in the name of prevention was misguided and misled most of the population. It's like death, right? Despite doctors' best efforts, your risk of dying is still 100%. Yeah, there are things you can do to live longer, but all efforts to prevent an absolute certainty, your death, should be considered therapeutics. They may help you live a little longer, but you're still going to die. Anything done in the name of prevention for COVID-19 was not going to prevent you from getting it. Well, you can't do that if you're dead. The fear of death over the last three years has been very, very interesting to me. As someone who likes to take calculated risks, as a way to learn more about myself and just truly experience, I don't know, the one life I have to live, I never understood the whole stay safe bullshit. You can spend your whole life locked in your fucking house and one day a train carrying deadly toxin derails in your backyard, poisoning your fucking land and drinking water. You did not avoid danger by limiting your exposure to action that you deem dangerous. Quote, security is mostly superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. That is my favorite quote from Helen Keller. Sidebar, she was deaf and blind. Think about that. You don't feel safe if you leave your house and forget your phone. Safety and security is an illusion. Well, we got to listen to the experts. Okay, I love this one. But which experts? The scientists that the government allowed to speak? What about the scientists with hundreds of citations in prestigious journals, but they had a divergent view? Can we listen to them too? And what about the mental health experts or the economists or the historians or the philosophers or anyone that had a view other than the mainstream media and the dogma and the fall of the science? 
A pandemic isn't just a scientific problem to solve. It's a fucking human one. It's a complex system within complex systems. Scientists don't get to decide what gives meaning to life and what trade-offs to make when steering the human family through a pandemic. Some of the sharpest insights about COVID have come from people outside of science, and we just ignored them at our own peril. My mask protects you. Your mask protects me. Whew. More emotional, nonsensical gibberish. You are responsible for protecting yourself. JPCS had a great video illustrating the flaw in people's thinking with this just nonsense. And he used life jackets as a metaphor for masks and vaccines. If you put your life jacket on, it will help prevent you from drowning. However, it won't help anybody else. We wear life jackets for our individual safety and protection, just like you take a medicine for your symptoms, not other people's. Mask bullshit. That was just straight up manipulation. The message was clear. If you don't mask up, then you're a bad person. The mask is more of a virtue signal than a viral transmission blocker because it doesn't even do that. We know that. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Listen, I never, I never personally participated in the changing of a type of a pandemic before, but I got to say, it was a solid experience. Five stars, I would recommend. But the takeaway here is when you can't brag about how effective your product is, when you can't just demonstrate how awesome a job it's doing, when you try to bury the trial data for 75 years instead of advertising it because it's so good, when you have to resort to vaccine lotteries, free fucking donut giveaways with every shot and every other kind of incentive that people fall for, you might not have a good product. And when all else fails, the last resort is always the demonization and blaming of a certain group to distract from the truth. They resorted to all elements of force, fraud, deceit, duress, and overreaching constraint and coercion to get you vaccinated. Okay? Some say it was for your health. And some say it was a desperate attempt to eradicate the control group. It's way easier to blame the side effects of COVID for all the people dropping dead. It's going to be kind of a problem when everyone realizes only certain types of people with certain types of vaccination statuses are getting injured and dropping dead. The unvaccinated wish to inform the vaccinated we are not in the same boat. Lastly, Bauer writes, you may be done with COVID, but COVID isn't done with you. And that statement isn't the gutcha that people think it is. Of course, COVID isn't done with us. Neither is the common cold or the flu. Neither are thunderstorms and volcanoes, earthquakes, or thousands of other forces of nature. When people say they're done with COVID, they simply mean they're done turning the world into an infection control zone. Quote, I believe the pandemics end partially because humans declare them at the end says University of New Hampshire History Press professor Marion Dorsey. And that was quoted from a Scientific America article titled, People, Not Science, Decide When a Pandemic is Over. A pandemic ends when people stop paying attention to it. And we had a few episodes on this. What changed, the science or the politics? Remember like town hall meetings? You, you wouldn't even be allowed to speak unless you were wearing a mask. Now you can speak without wearing a mask. What changed? What, what the hell has changed? Did, did science change? Or did the people stop giving a shit about it? The people, the many, the ones with the real power, stopped having it. We the people dictate the terms of pandemics, the length and the severity of them. And they've been trying this for a while. 
2005, we had anthrax. 2009, oh, state of emergency, H1N1. You know, that lasted till 2010. July 5th, 2013, we got MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, coronavirus. That only lasted a little bit because people weren't having it. August 12th, 2016, Zika virus. Look out, baby. We got pregnant women and children born to pregnant women. They, if they have Zika, that's going to be a problem. That ended in April because people stopped giving a shit. August 2nd, 2022, monkeypox, which ended in, by February of 2023 because no one gave a shit about monkeypox. They tried. No one gives a shit about Zika. Is Zika still dangerous to pregnant women or not? Of course it is, but no one gives a shit. Is monkeypox a thing? Sure, if you get it. MERS, anthrax, all that shit. The science didn't change. Just the people's willingness to accept the state of emergency changed. So the takeaway from the last three years is you need to advocate for freedom, personal choice, and medical freedom always. Every time, all the time. And it's almost more important if you don't agree with the other's choices. Just think, how powerful would that have been to actually have been in this together? and have fought for each other's rights and freedoms while at the same time respecting an individual's right to choose what is best for them and what they put in their body and how they live their fucking life. I don't care how scared you are. It's my body. It's my life. I have to live with the consequences of my decisions. You don't. So hopefully the last three years will serve as a reminder to never outsource your values, never outsource your principles, Never outsource your safety, never outsource your security, and for Christ's sakes, never outsource your thinking. Who are you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm local? I'm thinking it's all over when I go out drinking. Oh, making my mind slow. That's why.